Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am once again joined by Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek Podcast and the Stories Out of Time and Space Podcast. If you tuned in last week you'll know that Scott was on then because that was part one of the chat and this is continuing on that very nerdy discussion in the part two as well as finishing it off. Just a couple of bullet points of what we sort of talk about. Um, we speak about crossovers in comics and movies and that sort of jazz, and directors being allowed to be more adventurous with their projects, issues of prequel movies and general cinematic and shared universes, early sci-fi work, video game movies, universes, internal logic, and loads of other things like that. So very much keeping in line with what part one was all about. It's just a big, amazing, nerdy talk. Scott has been on the show before, he was on episode 75 for a Star Wars discussion and on episode 89 for a wrestling talk, and also early 2021, myself, Scott and Megan are all going to be involved in a Batman retrospective. We've already recorded part one, I think it's going to be three parts, we're speaking about Batman 66, the Keaton Batman movies, then the other two in the 90s, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, as well as Masks of the Phantasm, and then we're going to talk about the Dark Knight trilogy, so make sure you subscribe to 20th Century Geek to get updated with those when they're all released and things i'll post on social media and stuff as well but just so in case you don't follow me on social media then you'll still get the information and really that's about it from this sort of side i include links in the description to many other times that myself and scott have collaborated including when we are on the comics on trial episode which is on the feed of comics in motion uh, where we argued about phantom menace which was loads of fun and there's lots of other cool things in the show notes too so uh, there's not going to be a promo today so i'll just kind of let the show go on in a moment but i will be back at the end to talk about what I've got coming up in the next few weeks as well as my other podcast Star Wars Comics and Canon and a few other bits and pieces there so you know be sure to follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram Twitter and on Facebook and then all the other contact details of mine are in the show notes slash description thank you so much for listening as always guys and yeah I'll talk to you at the end welcome to Genuine Chit Chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and I'm your host Mike Burton No, they did Aliens first because they did a follow-on from Aliens. They did a they did a, the first sequel before Alien Three. They did a sequel to Aliens, and then they got the the Terminator rights, and then they got the Predator rights, and they sort of so they started to do those sort of those licensed comics. Those first batch of licensed comics, by the way, by Dark Horse are absolutely phenomenal. They're very nineties, mm. but they are awesome. Concrete Jungle, which is the first sort of like sequel to Predator. Um, has a Schaefer brother. It's Duke Schaefer answer watching his brother as a New York cop, and it's amazing. Um, it obviously inspired Predator Two and all this other stuff. But Concrete Jungle, that was the video game, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. I it, love. Yeah, you can like skin people and hang them from their intestines yeah. and stuff. From I used to love that game yeah, so much. Too, yeah, it was great. Um, oh. But the, uh, the it was obviously a dark horse. They were like, well, we've got this, and we've got this. Let's put them together. And so Dark Horse with the first one, they did like an Alien versus Predator comic. And the first comic's really good. And like I say, they've done it since. And I, IDW have sort of picked up the baton of late in the last couple of years because they have, they've got like Star Trek. They've got all the licensed comics now, like Star Trek, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Turtles, and all this other stuff. And so you've had like, even within their licensing, you've had a Ghostbuster, they've got Ghostbusters as well. The Ghostbuster series, which is probably one of my favourite go-tos at the moment, um, has crossed over with Ninja Turtles and Transformers. In canon, <laughs> in canon, within the Ghostbusters universe. Oh my so God. They get referenced later 
in in the ongoing series, like these special crossovers, they've crossed over the turtles twice now. Actually, they've even crossed over with their own the real. So the Ghostbusters of the comic universe have crossed over with the real Ghostbusters from the cartoon and stuff. It's amazing. But then they've had like GI Joe and Transformers. They had Ninja Turtles and uh, there was some else they did. But then you've had like then they've gone out and gone. Do you want to do you want to work do something DC? Yeah, we will. All right. Well, you've now got Ninja Turtles and Batman. I was going to mention that. Yeah, you've got Green Lantern and Star Trek. Um, like they've, they've just gone, as you said, wouldn't this be cool? <laughs> That's what I love about comics. I mean, there's a comic actually. Um, it's it's one of the few uh, sort of Marvel comics that aren't, aren't Star Wars I've actually read. And there's a, a series called uh, Marvel Zombies, which are incredible. <clears throat> They're really really cool, and they go into really in depth about the whole. Uh, multiverse, you know, because you've got one multiverse where they were zombies and then they managed to make a machine, the Fantastic Four zombies make a machine into a, a non-zombie yes. universe and then it's them fighting. And there's one comic uh, crossover special and it's with Ash from the yes. Evil Dead. It's the cool, you're watching Ash from the Evil Dead being attacked by a zombie Howard the Duck and you're like, yeah. can this be any fucking cooler? Yeah. Like, who is the cool, one of the coolest <laughs> zombie killers in the world? Well, obviously it's Ash from the Evil Dead and Army of Darkness and it's just like, why don't we just put him in a comic where he fights zombie Spider-Man? You're like, Yes, yeah, that's so cool, and that's what I love about these things that they just they, they can do it in comics because it sort of costs less to do it. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, all right, well, we did six issues and we won't visit that again. But like some of the, yeah, some of those crossovers. I mean, Batman seems to have crossed over with everybody. You know, I mean, yeah. Batman's crossed over. Ba- Batman has fought. He has. He's fought both Alien and Predator. You know, he's had multiple uh, encounters with Judge Dredd. He's had multiple encounters with the Turtles now. Um, you know, you can do these things. And but weirdly, DC has done it more than most. Like DC, mm. Marvel did Marvel Zombies, but that's again, it's not their 616 universe. Like it's not a main protagonist. They seem quite intent on protecting theirs. Um, mm. But DC seem a bit more open to it. Like you say, Green Lantern, the, the first Green Lantern, uh, the first Green Lantern Star Trek run, the six issue story, is really good. Hmm. I mean, it literally, it ends with the destruction of the DC universe. So it starts with the destruction of the DC universe, and a bunch of uh, lanterns uh, of different colours end up in the Star Trek universe. Wow! And then the Enterprise is in its um, its next generation. Um, no, is it next generation? I can't remember. Now. It might be next generation. It might be, but basically, they end up fighting over la- rings, and some of the crew get rings and stuff. So. Oh wow! It's yeah. And you're thinking like, as you're like, you're like, that's a really cool idea. Let's do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and you know, I love the fact that they can do that. And um, yeah, those cross. I, lo- I love a good crossover when it's good. They're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's, what, it's one of the, th- the most underrated things. And I think one of the things about comics is there's, there's quite a few people I know uh, who are really into you know Star Wars or you name Marvel Cinematic Universe any of those things and then I occasionally will go oh have you, have you read any of the comics and I get this response quite a bit which is I'm not really a comic book person and I don't I don't normally argue with that because it's it's normally a wasted effort almost but it's like you just haven't really read the right comics mm. like it, it, it's it's like saying oh, I'm not really into music at all yeah. it's like what so you think classical and death metal are basically same the same it's like yeah. so you could read a Hello Kitty comic if you want but you could also read you know the Alien Predator both crossover and all these and it's like there is such a wide variety, and it's one of the things that I found when I um, when I started doing Star Wars comics in canon, which was a friend of mine actually got me into Star Wars comics because he saw these from a birthday or something. He got me these three really cool variant covers of a character called Dr. Aphra, mm. and she's only in comics at the moment. She's basically like Indiana Jones, but 
more morally uh, ambiguous, kind of a bit, a bit more morally bankrupt. And she's she's a great character. She's one of the coolest characters probably in all of Star Wars, and she's only in the comics. Mm. And they're starting to... They made an audiobook about it recently, so there's a lot of rumours she's going to get her own series soon and stuff. But it's like, the Star Wars comics so many of the storylines in there are better than so many other places and it's like when people watch Rise of Skywalker or whatever and they're disappointed by it and I'm like I understand but like in the same year that Rise of Skywalker came out you had The Mandalorian which I think more than made up for it Mm. but then there's so many comics in Star Wars which are so cool but the problem is if I say to someone I didn't like the prequels very much well I've got a Darth Vader comic 25 runs it'll add a lot of depth to the Anakin character people go yeah but I don't the prequels are shit I don't want to watch that I don't want to waste time reading this comic and it's like but if if you it is it's one of those weird things I've said it's kind of nerd culture in a lot of the times and and Megan's been discovering this where she's been getting into styles a lot more and it's like it's with a lot of things is the more content you you take in the better it gets which which sounds stupid and and to begin with but it's almost like yeah the Star Wars films the eleven of them some of them are amazing some of them are okay there's a couple of have a bit of crap in a sense but it's like but when then you go deeper you go the series most of the series are pretty cool but then you go the books. Pretty much all the books are bestsellers. They're yeah, almost yeah. all rated really well because there's all they've done is have got someone who's really. Re- there's the thing with comics and books is like when you get someone who's an insanely good writer who's got an idea of a storyline in your head. Realistically, they just get they contact Disney and go look or Lucasfilm whatever, and they go look. I've got this story. It's going to be in space. It's going to be about a pilot who, you know, uh, there's an evil regime and they uh, disappear out of it and they do something crazy and then this planet gets saved and they go. Well, if you want, just call the main character Wedge Antilles, put it, make sure that the year is this and make sure Death Star's mentioned once or twice, mm. but make sure these characters, if you put them in there, don't die. And there you go, that it fits in the canon. And it's like, well, this is a cool independent story. I read one, which is called Bloodline. It's about uh, Princess Leia, like five years before Force Awakens. Almost the entire book is just about the political uh, system in the, in the galaxy at the time. Yeah. There's so, there's so much of it is just about populists and centrists about people who want centralized power and people want the power spread out more and this that's the majority of the book is just about politics in star wars in this fictional universe and it's like if you change names in that it would be a really cool one-off book about it's, like, it's almost it's almost in a way kind of like viva vendetta in, in certain aspects Ooh. like i know viva vendetta it's uh alan moore and it's I think it's, it's published by DC, I, th- I think. If it originally, uh, it was released yeah. it was released in a, in a magazine called Warrior, and then it was, uh, it mm. was then the issue. It's complicated, but yes, DC then released yeah. it as a, as a trade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, that's why when I, when I paused there, because I was like, I don't know enough about this, but I'm sure Scott does. It, it's things like that where, like, for example, V Vendetta, it, it's a crack, and I really like it, and the film's brilliant, but it wouldn't really be... Alamore wouldn't let you do this, but, like, it wouldn't really be that hard to kind of just tweak it and put in a, a character from the Marvel Universe or the DC Universe. or And I'm not saying every single thing should have to be a crossover, but I feel like there's so much... With in an era where, era where everyone's whinging about sequels and lack of originality and blah blah blah, it's like why instead of making eighteen thousand sequels of the same film, why don't you start making a few more crossovers? Let more independent people get the reins. Like I, th- I think that's what sort of Disney and are starting to realize a bit more now because with the mcu there was it's not of cool films but all all the best rated ones are ones where they've let the directors have much more free reign primarily like thor ragnarok that you know takai watiti went weird with that one and it's probably one of the best marvel films of all of them yeah uh, apart from endgame and infinity war I, I love that film and now because people like that so much takai watiti is going to make a star wars film which i'm excited about but you go back 10 years or so 
And there was that argument between Edgar Wright and um, the MC, or Disney because he wanted to make Ant-Man more Edgar Wright-esque and they didn't really see eye to eye. And then you've got elements of Ant-Man, of Edgar Wright's Ant-Man within Ant-Man, like uh, the bit where it's that really intense thing where they're fighting on the train tracks and it's like really intense music and stuff. And then the train hits one of them and then it zooms out and you, it's obviously just a toy train so it does no damage. Those little Edgar Wright moments are what make the film go from being a cool film to an amazing film, yeah. in my opinion. And I feel like finally hopefully disney is starting to learn like and the music industry has a lot of this problem as well where they go look we've been making money for however many years you're a new creative individual you've got some good ideas send them to us we'll tweak 80 percent of them release it it will do terribly and then we'll blame you and it's like yeah. let people just do cool shit who are, who are passionate the thing is i think yeah it's as you said before though it's about the money making isn't it it's about the money mm. disney are going to make money and that's the driver and I think the thing is, is again, about the capitalist thing, it's about giving people what they want. Um, but the, the, the MCU, uh, movie studios learn the, the wrong lessons. Hmm. Right? We've seen this time and time again. Movie studios learn the wrong lesson. You know, and the MCU was lightning in the bottle. Right, you have uh, Paul Feige, who's uh, who basically, you know, Kevin Feige, sorry, who, who leads leads it all. He's this sort of like head at the top, and he's, you know, you have this the ability to to have every now and then you have flashes of, of individualism in there, but the majority of it sits together as a as a, a single universe, which is the whole point. Yeah. Um, you know, so you can have like Ryan Coogler's sort of uh, Black Panther, and he can, you know, use his. Uh, unique voice in that respect but you know what you can't do all this stuff because it's also got to stand next to Captain Marvel you know or it's got to then stand next to Doctor Strange and you go okay so you've got these parameters to work with him but you can have your voice within that and that's fine and it worked for Disney and it's made him an absolute fortune <laughs> and fair play to them but then other studios looked at it and went shared universe Sh shared you that's what we want so you know, DC did it, and you sort of start with with um, Man of Steel, which uh, look, look Man, of, Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, they've got their problems, right? And I won't I won't defend them to the hilt like many will. They're fine, but I wish Warner Brothers had basically kept its nuts and said to Zack Snyder, "Do what you're doing, Fill, finish your story." And unfortunately, you know, he obviously had the you know, the horrendous family tragedy that meant he had to walk away from Justice League. I would have felt better if they'd have just said, we're putting the brakes on. You know, you go deal with that, come mm -hmm. back and we'll finish it and you can do your story. Because I just get the feeling, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this HBO Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut, yeah. I'm not, you know, slathering over it like some people are. I, that, that's fine. That's them. That's their That's their passion. Um, yeah. But like, if Warner Brothers had stuck to their guns with that, I think you'd have something really special at the end of it. You know, and, and they could build off that, um, but they didn't. And there's the same with, um, what was it? It was a Universal and the Dark Universe. Bloody hell. Where did that go? Like, they released The Mummy that was atrocious, and well, I think they tried happened. to link... The, the, it, well, yeah. yeah, but the thing... There you go, you just answered your question, really. <laughs> um, but the problem they had, they, again, they bit off more than they could chew, because they the, the first thing they released was a cast photo for the entire universe. <laughs> So they released a photo. Here's Tom Cruise. Here's uh, Russell Crowe. Here's Johnny Depp. Here's Angina Jolie. Here's this person. I thought I said, um, Javier Bardem was in it. This massive cast, and you're thinking, wow, this is incredible. Look at all these people. They're in this. These are fantastic. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to have Angelina Jolie's going to be the bride of Frankenstein, and Javier Bardem's going to be 
Um, I forget it was going to be. And Johnny Depp's going to be the Invisible Man. Oh, Javier Bardem, I think, was going to be the Wolf Man. Right. You think, oh, wow, cool, that sounds ace. And then you watch The Mummy and you go, yeah, that was shit. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the worst I'm films that when I saw that yeah, at the cinema, I'm that was one of the worst films I've seen in a long time. Exactly, and you sort of go, "I'm sort of glad you didn't do that." But again, you watch that film, and you think, "Why didn't that work?" Well, firstly, because because the Mummy is an adventure film. Like the best Mummy film to me is the Brendan Fraser one from from the That's, 1990s. Love that, incredible, film. incredible. Because the original film's fine; it works as a creepy horror film, the Universal one, but. um they took the wrong lesson because they went, what, what have we got to introduce? Well, we need to have like a, a leader figure. All right, well, we're going to have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde character. We're going to introduce a shady network of agents. A bit like S.H.I.E.L.D., a bit like S.H.I.E.L.D., yes. And it's sort of like, you go, you don't do that. You don't do that. You want to give snippets. Um, and so that's what I think they just took the wrong lessons. And so I'd love to see some shared universes. I'd love to see a shared horror universe. I think it would be amazing. You mentioned mm. Freddy versus Jason before, like, that works because of the nods throughout the film. Like it knows it's stupid. Like that film <laughs> knows it's really stupid. Um, and it's made by Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Yu, who also made Bride of Shucky. And they, ha- they share a sort of a, an aesthetic and it's great and it's stupid, um, but it's really good fun. And so you sort of go, I'm enjoying this crossover because it's daft and it's good. Yeah. It fits with both characters. Um, but they just don't seem to get... When they want to go to a shared universe, they sort of go, well, I want to get to Avengers as quick as possible. You know, we want yeah. to get to the... We basically want to get to the money shop as fast as possible. Not thinking, no, 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 you've got to reel people in. There's a film called American Warrior in London. Oh, yes. And it's got some of the best special effects. where oh, they it's, the, it's incredible. What, photo, it's like the photo, and then they add a tiny bit of makeup, and then the photo, and then a tiny bit of... The, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know what film, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, 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 the trans- the tra- there's two bits. Like, yeah, there's the transition uh, of like, you see his hand stretch and all sort of stuff. It's incredible. But the other thing, he's got a friend, um, um, Jack. Um, yeah, David Kessler is the main character. He's the werewolf. Uh, he's got a friend, Jack. They're both attacked on the moors, and Jack starts to decompose throughout the film because he no one else can see him. He's like a ghost, but he, he decomposes, and it's so well done. I mean, it's, I watched it way too young. It gave me fucking nightmares, like incredible <laughs> nightmares. But it's awesome. I, I love it. Arrow did a, a release a version of it last year that's like a big, like a nice slip case and the whole works. Wonderful. Anyway, in that film, there's a scene where Jack first comes to meet David. He comes back from the dead and there's a great look. He's got a little bit of skin flapping and all sort of stuff. It's gross. But he says in there, he says, he says, David, like, we didn't know. He says, everything you, he says, that was a werewolf that attacked us. You know, I'm the undead. In, in the next full moon, you're going to become a werewolf and you're going to kill people. The only way for you to save those people is for you to kill yourself. And it's sort of like, it's really well done. And he says, that before he says this, everything you've heard of, all that shit out there, all that supernatural, it's real. And all in my head, like for years, I've never noticed that line. And I watched it when I, when I was watching the Arrow version. And I was like, that line to me, that is the way you start a shared universe. Yes. You have American Wife in London, and there's this nip, snippet going, yeah, do you know what else is out there? Fucking everything. <laughs> you don't see it, but it's out there. And then the next, you know, because, you, I mean, Kessler, I'm, I'm going to spoil it. David Kessler, the werewolf, is killed at the end. It's really tragic. It's a fantastic film. Highly recommend it. But there's a characters that are left alive that you go, oh, they become the ones that appear later in the shared universe. You know? Yeah. And, and you, you can do things like... Um, and it's that drip feeding of things I'd love to see. Like that's how I do it as a shared universe. I would start with that and build from there. It's exactly as you say. It's 
they the, the brilliant thing about all the early Avengers movies, uh, you know, Iron Man, uh, Thor, Cap- I'm not the biggest fan of Captain America 1, although it, it, it did a lot of things right. It's, it's mm. a very clever, very good movie, but it just didn't click with me the same way. But all what Marvel did the best, which is exactly what you said, they, the other studios are learning the wrong lessons, is that what they did is they released standalone films that work incredibly together, but have the odd character, Nick Fury being the main one, have the odd character here and there that just... It exists mm. and then there's little subtle references to things that happen you know and and it does it so well and so cleverly and as you said they're trying to they're trying to create an end game in like a certain movie series want to create an end game in five years it's like the reason you can't do that is because it took 10 it? years 11 years it was yeah exactly it took that long and so many films so many pieces together and it means a different amount to different people mm. some people have just seen a couple of iron man films the odd thor film maybe like ant-man and then the main avengers films and Endgame, and yeah. it's still a great fun film but other people like yourself and me and other uh, more nerdy people have seen you know all of the films mm. but then you've got people all the films and the netflix series which references and then there's obviously comics which slightly different universes but you know what i mean it's, it's all these different things and it's like with the mummy, I remember watching it, and I remember hearing they're going to do this dark universe thing, and I was like, I have a bad feeling about this. Ironically, <laughs> and it, and you watch it, and you're like, half this film is them basically advertising their own franchise, and it's just like Russell Crowe is in it so much, talking about all this special society and stuff, and it's just naff bollocks yeah. you just don't care about. But if they had him in it for five minutes, just a one-off scene, and then he's gone. Mm. And that was it. And then maybe you could do... I don't like post-credit scenes much anymore because they're getting quite annoying to have to look up a film before I go to the cinema to check if there's a post-credit scene now because yeah. if it's, you know, Birds of Prey or something and it's connected... Does it? Does it not? I don't know. I have to find out. Um, but it's like, you have to do it where you have to create a film that is strong enough to stand by itself and sprinkle bits on it mm. that connect with other stuff. And then once you've got five films that have got this sprinkling of stuff in, you can use one film to kind of connect them together and then... That's, they, they, you leave that film, then you do another five, six, seven films that are all independent. Because the problem what movie studios are trying to do too quick, I think, a lot of the time, is they go, people want a big universe. Let's release, let's do a schedule of five films that are going to come out in five years, and yeah. people are going to see the first one and love them all. But w- what Marvel did kind of, probably almost stumbled in it, in it in a way, but what they did cleverly was, some of the films aren't that amazing. But what's good about it is that the other films don't rely so much on them so therefore, if you watch Thor 2 and you go, man, Thor 2 is not a good film. I don't mind it, but it's like, Thor 2 is a bit crap, don't like that. So okay. You watch Thor 3, it's completely fucking different. Yeah. You watch Captain America, any of them, they're not even slightly like Thor at all. You watch Doctor Strange, it's not like really any of the other films in a lot of ways. And it's they're all independent, but they're in the same universe. And I think that's one of the things that Star Wars, because obviously now Kevin Feige is getting more heavily involved in the Star Wars universe and stuff. Now they've gone, hey maybe we shouldn't have released a new trilogy and not figured out what the fuck we were doing yeah, at the start. Yeah. And let's make films reactionary to people's rea- <laughs> to what people think. Hmm, Force Awakens was too safe. Let's make Last Jedi that was really weird and different. Oh no, people think it's too weird and different. Let's make Rise of Skywalker the fucking same. It's like, just yeah. don't react to people. Just have a plot. Anyway, but what they're doing now with Star Wars, what they're kind of realising is they're going, okay, we'll make this series about Mandalorian, it works if you know what's happened in the films. Yeah. But you, it's completely independent. All you need to know is the Empire are bad people and they're not really around anymore. And th- yeah. That's that's all you... Some people have magic powers. That's it. <laughs> and you pretty much get that in the first 15 minutes of the first episode. And you go like... Exactly. Yeah, I get that. Move on. 
Excellent. 100%. And it's what, what they're, they're starting to do, because obviously I'm really deep in, in the world, so I hear rumours here, there, and everywhere <laughs> about stuff, and they're releasing Star Wars Squadrons, and there's a story mode, which is canon, and Fallen Order was canon, and there's a story of Battlefront 2. That was canon. But you could do these multiplayer things, which are fun, which aren't canon, because it would be impossible to do so. Mm. But that's that's the fun of it. And with Star Wars, what they're going to try and do is they're going to release, I think, there's rumours of like a, like a crime syndicate underworld uh, series thing, which is going to be like a sequel to Solo in some way, but more so about the criminals. That will be really cool mm. because you can watch that and know fuck all about Star Wars. And it's it's the, it's the starting point, I think, the point that I'm trying to make is what, what the good thing into Star Wars is what they've they've done now, especially with Mandalorian and a few other things, is that you can really, as long as you watch the first film in the trilogy, I'd say, apart from that, you can really start anywhere you want. If you start with a Mandalorian, you can still love Star Wars. There's people who play the games and first got into Star Wars video games. and You need to make it so that each film or each whatever you want to be part of the media of this universe you're creating if each of them is strong enough by itself but also can act as like a a slightly cracked open doorway of the potential then you've got you've got it but that takes time and effort and trusting independent people not having you know the uh, the corporate hand greedily going like oh well we need this to be a 12 because you know what happens you know any film that is a 15 actually statistically makes less money and then you know Ryan Reynolds leaks the Deadpool footage people go mental now Deadpool's like one of the best selling highest grossing R-rated films ever made yeah. because they did what they should have done rather than going thinking about their wallet too much which is what you said earlier this is it and I think some of them have done better than others because I think one of the weird ones is um, the Conjuring universe yeah I've seen most of them yeah well, it was it was a never intended to be a universe, like a shared universe. Like they did the conjuring and they were like, well, it made a bunch of money. Like it cost us like, you know, 25, 30 million. It's made hundreds of million. We'll make a second one. And they did. And then, you know, they go, Well, you know that doll that was in it? Right, we're gonna do an Annabelle movie. And the first one's not great. The second one's Annabelle Creation is actually really good. You know, and then they do, all right, we'll do another one of those. And you go, they go, oh, well, there's actually this other this other thing we keep talking about, this demon, this nun demon. Um, mm. You know, um, we'll do a story about that in the 50s. And we'll have one character at the very end that shows up that, you know, links you then to Anne, not to the main universe, but links you to Annabelle, mm. which is then linked to the main universe. And sort of like, because the, the nun demon is linked to the main universe. You think like, it's not, they're not, they're not looking to do a, um, an Avengers film. That's the thing with Blumhouse. They've gone, yeah, we're not going to do, you know, like you say, all the demons aren't going to come together and, and then, the, you know, they're going to fight them. It's going to be a case of like, we just know we live in this, this. These people exist in this crazy supernatural world and these stories just keep happening and we're going to drop them in. You yeah. think like, and you, as you said, just make a, a passing reference. You know, you, you just need a character or a reference to something that tells you it's in the same world. And you go, oh, that's really cool. That's all I need. And then you can build up yeah. if you wanted. It's the same with sequel, uh, not sequel, prequels. I hate prequels, you know, and I'm excluding the Star Wars 3 because was, was, they, they had an agenda they had to fulfill. Yeah. Solo is a good example of, they go, we know, you know the character that existed at the start of Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. We've got to answer every question about him in a single film. <laughs> in one adventure, he's going to get his name, he's going to meet Chewbacca, he's going to get the Millennium Falcon and his gun. 
and meet Lando. Yeah, and meet Lando. And do the castle run. It's just, yeah. Everything about who he is that you get is all in that. It's, it's a very good way of putting it. I didn't think about yeah, that. It's, yeah. it's like they've sat through Star Wars and gone, right, what things does he talk about? This, this, and this. Create the checklist. One film. It's like, <laughs> did you, everything you own right now, did you get it in one go? No. <laughs> And that, that, that happens with prequels, though. That's the sort of problem. It's one of the reasons I like Rogue One as a better prequel is because, again, it has this one simple objective is, right, here's the story of how these plans got in the hands of Princess Leia. None of the characters actually have any impact on the rest of the film, which is why the film's so tragic. And it's, a, it's actually mm. a really good film. But when you try and do a, pre- a prequel to a main character, it's like they've got to keep forcing stuff in, you know, um and so it, yeah it, it gets irritating no i agree and it's one of those things that when like i even said it with the star wars prequels is it's one of those things where i i'm i'd rather have sequels more than prequels in almost any element mm. and video games are the worst you have a video game prequel and it just it never really works because you're like oh we need new mechanics in the game okay how are we gonna make that work it's a prototype gun Woo. Yeah. It's like, well, it seems to work perfectly fine in this in this every <laughs> single conceivable way it's even better than anything that's ever existed but it's just magically never mentioned again and disappears it's like so it's like and with we've obviously as you say with the star wars universe um george lucas did after releasing the original trilogy had some sort of vague idea of what he wanted to do because he didn't vaguely mention the clone wars so he probably had some amount of idea but obviously we had that discussion where i do not believe that george lucas had nine films mapped out in his no. head when he made the original star wars because he didn't you can tell because so many glaring plot holes but when they made the prequels you say they had an agenda and and it's it's flawed in certain ways because of i'm not going to go to the deep dive of star wars and what the flaws about the prequels but it works in itself i think enough to be okay but when you have other prequels it, it you get it where it's like well, all these characters like solo you watch it and it's it's a i enjoyed solo but it took me a couple of watches to enjoy but it's like well you know han and chewie aren't going to die and you know the falcon's going to be fine so immediately you've got three quarters of the whole film of what you care about and lando as well you know nothing really that bad can happen to them you can't have you know uh unless they get a fairly bad gunshot wound you can't have solo being clawed to or near clawed to death by something because he has no scars at all Mm. so there's all these little problems but if you do Rogue One, as you say, where, yeah, the, the end of the film connects like a little jigsaw piece to the start of The New Hope. But apart from really the the brief um, brief Tarkin, brief uh, Vader and uh, brief Leia appearances and you know, the couple of other tiny side characters, it's its own film. Mm, and I is. think that's one of the big things. And it it's why when they make these big universe films, it is just like when they start making prequels of stuff and going back in time, it's like... Do you really have to either either do what Star Wars are doing now, which is doing the High Republic, which is two hundred years before Phantom Menace, which is brilliant because apart from Yoda, no one's going to be about. Yeah. So as long as they don't have Yoda on screen every five fucking minutes, as long as he's in it, maybe because it's going to start. There's two books and a comic book, two comic book series that are coming out. If they have Yoda vaguely have be in it enough so you notice him but mm. not a central character that'll work really well if they come out and say hey we're doing a yoda movie i'm just like oh, can we not like, i've seen yeah, enough yeah. I, I like yoda but i've seen he's 900 fucking years old he's going to be in probably every star wars film ever made ever yeah. and everything it's you know he's not literally literally but you know what i mean and it, it's one of those things where i i hope i'm, I'm hopeful for the future that movie uh, franchise uh, movie studios are gonna create enough fuck-ups of dark universe and monster universe and all you know that sort of thing and they're gonna go okay we need to reevaluate. we need to try and do crossovers how yeah, we should yeah and fingers crossed 
we'll we'll get there one day. Yeah. Well, one thing, but you know, before we sort of some, um, you know, we've been talking for a while. I don't, you know, I don't know, Wacey Holly. But the, one of the things we talk <laughs> about, sort of, the, you talk about crossovers and shared universes. Is that you know they're not new. The other thing as well is we talk about them like they're new, and obviously mm. they've been happening in comics for years, and they've had DC oh, yeah. and, and uh, Marvel crossovers, and and you know when DC owned the Shadow, they've crossed over, and all this other stuff. So, but there's a couple I sort of that they just popped into my head that are worth mentioning. Um, there's there's almost like a, a what would call like a pre-pulp shared universe. So there's a guy called Philip Jose Farmer who um, he's a novelist, sci-fi novelist, and he took the idea of saying like, you know, Tarzan, he's cool. You know, Sherlock Holmes, he's cool. And he collects all these characters together from this sort of pre-pulp and early pulp era, and basically said like they all come from a single event. So yeah. basically, there was a meteor that landed in. Um, uh, or a small English village in the early, in the mid 1800s, and whilst it was there, it, it, it irradiated this chemical or radiation or whatever sort of thing, Fantastic Four style, and basically created these like early metahumans. And so this one event, so uh, in it, the, the meteorite lands, and there's a carriage going past, and in it is the Earl of Greystoke, who obviously becomes the far is the father of Tarzan. Um, yeah, and then these other, then you link them all off, and you can you, spider webs out, and you find out that like this one event caused Sherlock Holmes to have superior intelligence. So his intelligence is almost like a superpower, and hmm. you know Tarzan luckily has super endurance, which is why he's able to survive in the jungles and blah blah blah. And it reaches up to like the Shadow, Doc Savage, uh, and these other characters. And there's these novels, and none of the characters are ever really front and center but there's other stories and they're but they're referred to as other things so you know i don't think he ever says doc savage but he says oh yeah the man of bronze and mm. you know all these other things um and so this universe and they're really cool books where like these things have happened like captain uh, captain nemo's in there as well and oh nice yeah so there's all these really cool characters uh and they sort of it's the series of like i think it's like six or seven novels and they sort of they focus in on bits and pieces um but that's like, that was from the 70s. So I think the sort of 60s and the 70s. And that's really cool. But even before that, one of the people you sort of mentioned, you know, what we sort of started talking about for this was H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. Uh, so, you know, Lovecraft, we won't talk about him. He's an interesting and complicated individual that... Uh, I, I did want to, but yeah, I will say we'll do another podcast yeah. where if one of the notes was to talk about him, but we got sidetracked in the best way. He's a complicated individual. Um, yes. But his his thing was like he he created obviously um the the cthulhu mythos as it's sort of as it's called now um and he wasn't a hugely popular writer during his during his life but he was also completely open to other people just using his stuff you know so and he was always like a mentor like to people like robert block who obviously wrote psycho uh, robert e howard who created solomon kane and conan the barbarian uh, and all these other writers that he was corresponding with and they'd be like yeah I really, oh, can, can i use like the cthulhu mythos can i make up a demon or can i use this you know you've you've talked about your you know yogs stuff can i use that oh yeah go for it there's the, just you just make sure you use what's gone before yeah go for it and this cthulhu mythos is literally like, you know the, 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 the big one is the necronomicon you know the book mm. that just appears and appears and appears and it's sort of like you know you you talked about protecting that that property and he was all about like, no, nah, just go for it, you know, write this stuff. And so some of the best modern or best Cthulhu mythos stuff come after his death. 
you know, and I love his books. I do love his stories. But the stories by sort of like um, by uh, Robert E. Howard's and someone else, they've blocked in a few, but um, uh, uh, Dora Leth, uh, I forget his name, but Lord Dunsany and, and these other characters and these authors of the time that wrote these stories that you sort of go, yeah, they're really good. And they're really sort of like, you know, they really sort of tap into um, that Cthulhu mythos. Um, and again, like some of them are full on, you know, like you'll yeah. get people that take on Cthulhu or they'll, they'll, they'll come across one of the ancient, you know, the elder gods or something. But then there's others where uh, it's a sort of, it's a, it's a Lovecraftian tale, you know, of sort of ancient secrets being untold. Um, but then a character, they'll come across like the character of Charles Dexter Ward or, you know, these other characters. Um, Randolph Carter is another one that sort of like was a reoccurring character that just pops up at some points in other stories. And it's sort of like, it's just really cool that there's almost like a Lovecraftian sensibility that people have just gone, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to plug into that and then, you know, and, and, and grow it. And that became this weird sort of like, you said about, about the MCU, you know, he just, I don't think he cared really. But um, this idea of letting them t- take the core element and then letting them do their own thing with it, but with the parameters in place. Mm. And I think that that's one of the key reasons that Lovecraft is still known today. If, they, if, he, if he hadn't have done that, like you wouldn't know who he was. He'd have been forgotten. Yeah, um, and exactly. It's a, it's, a, it's a really cool shared universe because it's crossed over to, I don't know if it's canon, but throughout like the 40s and 50s, like, you know, the shadow of the pulp characters sort of jumped on the bandwagon and went on it. And like, um, it's just, yeah, it's just cool, but you can go back as far as that, that like shared universes and stuff just, you know, just, uh, it's a natural thing. I think we do as creators. Yeah. Well, you start to ex- it's collaboration, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. That level of collaboration, um, and encouragement for them to do that was really cool. So, and I think, you know, I, I have a theory that the majority of modern horror has at least some part of Lovecraft in it. Mm. You know, if, if you if you follow it back, I mean, you know, you, Stephen King says it openly that that's what he's influenced by. And if you read things yeah. like It or um, even like things like Tommy Knockers have got that sort of, you know, that sort of like that sort of element in it. Clive Barker, you know, Christ, you can't, you can, you can hardly hide it, to be honest. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's it's weird one with with with, with the shared universe. One of the things that I because a friend of mine, one of the reasons I brought up Lovecraft uh, to you, um, which we'll, we'll have another chat about in yeah. depth uh, another time. But because my mate uh, Reese, who's been on the show, he was on the first ever genuine chit chat. Actually, he is recently the last few months he's been really getting into Lovecraft, and he was talking to me about. It, and he was like, he's like the majority of Lovecraft stuff is actually just short stories, and and he, yeah. and I was because I, I didn't know much about Lovecraft, and he gave me a bit of insight, and he was like, he's like so much of it is short stories, and he was like, it's written in this really specific way, and there's all these little bits that interconnect there's just like loads and loads and loads of stories that are set in one universe and not even most of them don't have anything to do with the other one but there's like as you say like there's just a character who it's almost like walks past them in the street and it just so happens in another short story uh, that's written god knows how long after that and in chronologically speaking in the story yeah he walks past that random person and then goes and does this little thing and it's i think with being in the nerd culture one of the things that is that the MCU did so right is subtle nods and it's like when you're a nerd and you've absorbed all the like when I yeah, I keep bringing it back to Star Wars because it's the one I know the most but like whenever I watch the Star Wars films 
and I've got Megan doing it now as well. There's Phantom Menace. There's a scene where there's a bounty hunter called Aura Singh who shoots. She doesn't shoot actually. She's just watching the pod racing. She's on screen throughout two seconds i think and then she's a character in the clone war series and then she gets mentioned in solo and blah 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 but like me watching when i watched the rise of skywalker or any of the newer ones when i was really into star wars there's certain characters that pop up that you see in the background or stuff like that that to most people it doesn't affect them they don't even yeah. notice but just because you've mm. given that character a certain tattoo on their face or you've given them a certain color arm or specific weapon on their belt you just doing that tiny attention to detail makes a difference from being like hey look there's loads of pointless background characters doing fuck all while the main character's being all quippy to oh all of those characters they have their own story mm. they've got that you don't necessarily know their story but they're real and i think that's one of the things when i've spoken to individuals who are older than myself who are around when star wars was getting released one of the things that a lot of people have said is every single character in Star Wars has some sort of name. You could get an action figure yeah. of everyone. And that was one of the things that people start to love about it, because you're like, I've got the action figure of Imperial Officer Vellum or something. When's he in it? He's in Empire Strikes Back for one second when you see the hologram of him be blown up. Th- you know what I mean? Like, And that's what I think they need to do with, with nerd culture, is, is rewarding nerds for noticing the, the, the connections, while also not trying to alienate people who aren't nerds by mm. being too deep into it is it it's a really fine balance it's a a really fine balance and it's yeah because you do if you go too much towards towards nerd culture like it won't land because they say you your regular joe just looks at it it's like i don't get it what is it i don't understand it if you go the other way you alienate the, the nerd culture and you get you know weirdly you get nerd rage which puts off the regular joe well, yeah, it's basically video game movies are basically the the big. That's the that's. They seem to not be able to really do video game movies almost at all. They seem to fuck them up completely because mm. they go, they go, they advertise it and and things are like, oh yeah, if you can made for the best selling video game, the new Tomb Raider or wh- whatever <laughs> films, there's lots of them, and you go, okay. So the people who love the games go and watch it and they go, this is nothing like anything, like the games at all. And yeah. all the people see the trailer go, well, I never played the game. I'm not going to go watch that. Why do I care? Yeah. And then you just get this thing where no one gives a fuck. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, I think, like you say, it's a computer game movies are, are an odd one. Because I've watched a few, mm. like, and you do, like, uh, one of the weirdest ones, I mean, weirdly, I watched Sonic recently. I watched Sonic the Hedgehog. I haven't seen that yet. Is it any good? It's good fun. Like that's what I've heard a lot of yeah, people say. It's it's sort of like it takes the bare elements. Of the, it's probably one of the most successful computer game movies because like because it's because all it is is Sonic. Like you haven't yeah. got a gr- I haven't got a great deal invested in it. I played it loads when I was a kid, but yeah. I don't need to see it in that in a certain way. So it works, you know, for what it is. But I think back to like when these they first did them and they were really confused. Like they did, I don't know if you've seen it, Super Mario Brothers with Bob Hoskins and, and uh, John. I've, with, I've seen. In it. I've seen a lot of footage about it and things. And I've seen a lot of clips, but I, I I don't. I'm not strong enough to watch the whole film. Yeah, it, I've got it on Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good film, but it's one of those that you do sort of like. You almost like hate watch it. You know, you watch it, you go, "This is dreadful." But there's bits in it that are quite good, like Dennis Hopper's in it as as King Cooper. But he's not. He only becomes a dinosaur at the end, and you're like, "This is weird." <laughs> and and then they did uh, Street Fighter, mm. um, and like. You know, Jean-Claude Van Damme is supposed to be sort of guile, who's the, the true American, and he's sort of like, he's still talking at the monsters from Brussels, and you're like, this doesn't work. Like, there are other people that could have done this. But yeah, computer game films are, are an interesting one because, 
you know, if you go back to what we've said about, like, you, if you had someone like Kevin Feige that could do it, that could figure out the way he did it, like, you, you would make an absolute fortune, tell a good story that people want to invest in. But for some reason, they can't seem to do it with computer game films. I don't know. No. I mean, what did you think of the last Tomb Raider one? I, I, I use Tomb Raider as an example, even though I haven't seen I've seen the Angelina Jolie ones, um, but mm. I haven't seen the new Tomb Raider. I'm trying to think. Some of the video... I, I do often... Oh, I, the, the most recent video game movie I saw, actually, was Assassin's Creed, and that is horrendous. That it's so... Like, I, I couldn't stand that film. But the problem is, is that... There's a, the reason it's, it's such a tightrope, I'd never want to make a, a comic, a, a video game movie, because with certain f- games and films and things, like I know the Witcher series is, is uh, quite popular, mm. but it's like, you have to make it so that it, you can rely... I mean, The Witcher was a book before a game anyway, but you, you have to make it so that it's strong enough by itself, but it references, but also with certain games, you know, the fun is actually playing it. Like a Grand Theft Auto movie wouldn't make any sense because it's just life. Mm. But the, the thing that's fun about Grand Theft Auto is the fact that you can go around, you can, you know, shag a prostitute, kill her, take your money back and go and take on the entire, you know, New York police yeah. force or whatever in a fucking Corvette with a machine gun. And you can do... That's ridiculous. No one should ever try and do that. But to play it in a game, it's fun and silly. Mm. Then you get other games that are like quite hyper-realistic games like uh, Uncharted and maybe games like Tomb Raider could fit into that sort of, the newer Tomb Raiders could kind of fit into that sort of category but it has to be the thing of where you have to be watching someone doing it that's really cool but it's not so ridiculous that it it doesn't make sense and that's kind of what I found about Assassin's Creed I was like I've played a fair amount of the games and I've quite enjoyed them but I, kind of, I went and saw it because I had OD and Limitless so me mm. and my mate just went to all films that were vaguely interesting most weren't <laughs> most were quite crap but like you're watching it and it's like even with my knowledge of the games, so much of it just doesn't make any sense, yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't connect because video games. You've, you when you're playing a video game, there's the um, suspension of disbelief because you're like, yeah, n- none of this makes any sense because I'm playing a game. Mm. But when you do that into a film, unless the unless the film is fantasy or sci-fi a lot of the time or horror, if you're trying to make a film like Assassin's Creed, oh no, it's real, but it's not real. Oh, what? So it's, they've got all these really random parts that. It, it's o- it doesn't make sense yeah. because the universe they're trying to portray it in is this realistic universe but then you're doing all these things that aren't realistic so you're just like none of it cl- lands it's a bit like, like you say the film needs to to uh, like decide and then stick to its own internal logic yes and so you sort of say like you know there are certain ones that are quite you know it's, it's interesting because like you say you look at uh, Disney try, tried their hand with Prince of Persia hmm. with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and you think, why did that not work? But Pirates of the Caribbean did. Mm. You know, yeah, all right, yeah, Johnny Depp being Jack Sparrow, and there's a, there's a sort of a humour to that. But what what's that's still a, like a, a period piece that's got a whole adventure thing in it. And you're thinking, why why do those two not work? Like one, well, one, why did one work and the other didn't? It's it's the thing like you say. It's that thing of like they have to adhere to the games mechanics and the game's logic and all this other stuff and you go okay that's fine when you're playing it that's great but why do you have to keep referencing this other stuff like <laughs> the, the, everyone else the, the regular people don't care about you know don't get um mm. and i just think the more realistic games become the less they should be adapted yeah you know because there's because they're an entertainment they're an entertainment medium in of themselves you know yes they're a visual medium but they're a complete they're an interactive visual medium that's the point you know, and so I think like comics are, is, is easier because it's literally you go, oh, look, storyboards. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, 
but again you have to have a, le a level of adaptation to make them work like yes christopher reeve superman works and i love the christopher reeve superman films mostly and you can get away with a lycra suit and stuff in the 70s because it's fine but the joke from the first X-Men film still stands when Cyclops says to Wolverine, because you get in the leather outfits, he says, you go outside in these things? He says, what, do you want yellow lycra? <laughs> you know, and you sort of go, no, <laughs> because you would be exactly. ridiculous. It might, Wolverine might look cool on a, on a comic book page in his, you know, his yellow lycra, his blue pants and his like metal shoulder pads. But if you put Hugh Jackman in that, it would look ridiculous. 100%. This level of adaptation again, but you create an internal logic that just says, "Oh, in this scenario, they're going to wear black leather, and we're going to have, you know, he's got uh, Wolverine's is, is a really good one because it's black leather, but it's still got the the diamond shape on his side, but it's almost inverted because it's got yellow piping and stuff, and there's little mm -hmm. nods like that. You go, that's cool. I'm, you know, I think that's really cool. And if you're going to do that with computer games, you've almost got to decide how far you're going to go. It's almost like go full out and it's be this really wacky, off-the-wall, crazy film that nothing makes any sense, which is fine, because yeah. there are films like that. Or you go, no, this is going to be a realistic adaptation, so we're going to limit some of the things the character does. You can't go, this character can do everything it's ever done in the video games, but the world it's in doesn't allow that, because then you just get this weird... It's almost like the uncanny valley, but instead of how people look, it's of the reality of physics. Because I'll say probably my last point here, because it's getting late, yeah. is... With Star Wars, one of the things I hear people, it, it pisses me off quite a lot. If, if people say, I've seen it in like forums and things where people go, oh, in, in Star Wars, uh, how does this happen, whatever? And then you, and people give answers, whatever. And then people go, oh, well, it, it couldn't work like that in the universe because X, Y, Z. And then people go, there are space wizards in it. And therefore, how can you say anything would happen bad? Or they can do hype. And it's like, but in the universe, hyperspace is possible. Yeah. And it does actually have some degree of logic behind it in-universe. Outside of Star Wars, it's impossible to our current knowledge of an understanding of physics. But in there, they've discovered a way of how hyperspace can work. As long as they don't keep changing the rules of it, in-universe, that works. You can ask questions, and that's why in certain films when things happen... And even if it is a superhero movie, I've heard people say the same things about the Avengers movies, and certain plot holes happen, and you go, you know, how is it that that character has done this... And does that. And then people go, well, in the last Iron Man film, he did this and this. Clearly, it's not grounded in reality. It's like, no, but it's in a universe, yeah. and that universe has a degree of rules. Once you don't allow there to be consistent rules in a universe, it stops being a universe. It just becomes this clusterfuck. Yeah, I agree. Internal logic is so important for a film and for a franchise. I mean, you said the same. In bloody Star Trek, they'll go like, go to Warp 9. Right, so you're telling me you can travel nine times faster than the speed of light. Is that what you're saying with this? Like, you know, no, of course you can't. It's not possible. But it's been consistent throughout, start, from the OG Star Wars, Star Trek, through to now, warp speed is consistent. Everyone just accepts it. It makes no sense. Te teleportation, you know, um, as in like Star Trek, makes no sense. Uh, replicators, but they've been there since the beginning and they've maintained an internal logic. So you go, oh yeah, that's how it just works in Star Trek. You know what you're saying? Doesn't make any sense, but it works in Star Trek. Like if that was then to turn up, out of, if not, if out of nowhere, data in T TNG could fly. <laughs> you know what I mean? All of a sudden, like oh, oh, we're three seasons in, it's getting boring. Let's make him fly. Well, that makes no sense. And all of a sudden, you've taken me out of the universe. Like this doesn't this rubbish now. But if if from the off you go right, we've now got a character that can do this. Like you say, we've got a character that can tap into the Force. 
and that's how they manipulate things around them, like, you know, people's minds or they can levitate things. And there's a group of people that do that. And then you maintain that. All right. I'm in. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the same thing. It's, 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 it's the same, like I say, unfortunately, that's what Kevin Feige has done there. That's what I was saying before. He's fixed the parameters and says, you can do whatever you want, but within this. And then when you write the script, you come to me, I'll tell you what you can and cannot do. Exactly. You know, a hundred percent agree. And that's why, that's why the MCU was so successful as well as the fact like all the merchandising and everything else they've ever done. Oh yeah. But it's, it's one of the reasons I think sort of Star Wars has been quite successful apart from some, and that's one of the things they did. I personally feel that was lacking from the, 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 uh, the sequel trilogy, the prequel trilogy, I've got my own problems with, but at least it keeps an internal logic for the majority of the time because it's all Lucas. Not yeah. all good, but it's internal logic. <laughs> but the problem with this, with the, with the last one, was this lack of internal logic. Right, what do we do? We're gonna have, you can now have force healing. Okay, we're going to show you that in the last film. All right, well, all right. And then you can have all this other stuff that, like, you know, I know these, these all these other people have been trained for years to do this. But Ray can do this. You know, so like, oh, it's, it, 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 I'm trying to shoehorn in this and this. And it's, you know, it's a shame because I think it should have worked. But they yeah. say you maintain that internal logic. The Conjuring universe is the same thing. <laughs> you know, they've got it better than Star Wars. You maintain, got inter- you maintain an internal logic. What does this character? Annabelle, uh, no, Annabelle's a good example. The first film is dreadful. The second one's good. And the third one was all right. But there must have been a temptation in that third film because the third film is a bit like a, a, a catch-all for sort of like uh, monsters in the house, right? And Annabelle, that little doll, right? There was, must have been a temptation at some point to have her go full Chucky. No, she doesn't do that because the doll is never alive. The doll is a vessel for a, this other thing. So yeah. it's always the creepy doll. Don't change that. That's the rules. If they'd have done that with the third film, and all of a sudden she was running around with a knife or doing some shit, then I'd have been like, "Do you know what I mean?" That you'd be like, "All right, well, I'm, if that's if that's the way this works, anything goes. It's all up in the air. I'm done." One hundred percent. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that is a very good point. Yeah, I mean, Scott, I feel like we could talk about that's very. I mean, we haven't even touched basically any of the notes. The, yeah. I think the whole point of sitting down was I was like, I want to talk to Scott about HP Lovecraft, but we got distracted by talking about podcasts. I didn't even ask. I'm not going to ask it now. No. Find out another episode. But I was going to ask about like how you first got into podcasting. But if we start that now, we'll be here for all day. So I'll end it here before we end up having any other you get me, conversations. Get me, you should get me and your friend on together, and we'll chat. We'll chat Lovecraft and. Uh, uh, you know to be fair actually he, he may end up doing that i, I want to potentially get him on my 100th episode just because i don't want to do some giant 100th episode thing because quite frankly it's now on episode 96 or something and i've left it far too late and i can't really be asked to try and orchestrate some giant thing so instead i'm going to try and go hey reese you're on the first episode do you want to come in on the 100th yeah. and that that's probably that's gonna be my 100th episode if i can pull my finger out to get that done <laughs> um, my 50th episode was a collaboration I made it look like it was a big special thing but it just happened that on that release it was the collaboration so I could kind of market it as such um, but yeah I'll, I'll definitely have you on uh, again in the future this has been riveting and it's obviously by our previous collaborations and things it's become very obvious that we could just chat about anything yeah. for hours <laughs> so before we hang up if um, I'll put links in the description and stuff but if you just want to remind people uh, where people can find you in your two podcasts and we'll hang up yeah so um, find me I'm on Twitter um, on all the things I'm on at Scott Weatherly uh, I'm also at uh, 20th Century Geek and for Stories at Time and Space it's at Pod Time Space uh, and the podcasts are 20th Century Geek which is me looking at all things geeky and nerdy uh, across the 20th century 
uh, that could be films, comics, books, the the works, anything basically. I decide I want to talk about. Um, and pod time space is, or sorry, stories at time space is me and Julian Darius talking about uh, different sci-fi films. So we're doing seasons. Uh, we've, we've done season one, and we did a, an epic Red Dwarf review. So we've done everything Red Dwarf. Uh, we've got uh, seasons 11, 12, and, and uh, Promised Land to go yet. We've released, and then we're going to get, we've just started recording season two. Uh, so it's all a bunch of sci fi films, all of it fun. Um, and uh, I highly recommend it. We found on all podcast catchers, iTunes, Spotify, the work. So just go find us. And if you like it, leave a review. That's another important thing. <laughs> Yeah, I always try and harp that home. I yeah. think I probably, I don't even, I don't have as many reviews as I have episodes. I think I've got half. So I think every every two episodes I release, I'll get one person review, which it's a fair enough. Actually, I'm quite happy with yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. That's but, a good. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I completely agree. I mean, your show, uh, well, both of your shows are brilliant, and it's one of the many reasons why we've collaborated in the past, why this episode's happened, and why there'll be more to come in the future. So it, it's been a genuine pleasure to have you on, uh, Scott. We'll definitely do this again in the future about umpteen things we can talk about, and yeah. there's maybe a thing in the works quietly similar to the star wars collaboration that we're we're contemplating aren't we if we yeah, want to put yeah. any details but maybe uh maybe we aim for end of year thing that's it yeah another end of year follow-up we'll see what we can decide on what franchise we'll deserves our, our our reviewing talents <laughs> <laughs> exactly well scott it's been absolute delight thanks again for coming on no excellent thanks i'll leave you to it and that's the end of the podcast Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. As I said in the intro, the information for Scott's websites are in the show notes for 20thCenturyGeek.com and 20thCenturyGeek.com slash Time and Space Pod for the two podcasts that he hosts. As well as that, he also was on episode 75 of Genuine Chit Chat for a Star Wars discussion and on episode 89 for a wrestling talk. And as I said, myself, Scott, and Megan are all going to be on the 20th Century Geek podcast in early 2021 when we release the Batman retrospective. As I said, it's all going to be on the 20th Century Geek geeks feed so make sure you go and subscribe to that and we will be tackling basically the main batman films the four ones from the late 80s and 90s batman 66 batman mask of the phantasm and then the dark knight trilogy as well so you know make sure you look out for that we've recorded part one of that already and we had loads of fun megan hadn't really seen any of the batman films before except i think batman begins and dark knight and i'd only seen the other ones like once when i was really young so i can remember like snippets of it and scott is a massive fan of them and watches them quite a lot so it's really interesting to get the perspective of almost what i've uh, deemed as the newbie the novice and the nerd about batman stuff so i'll be sure to share that on social media and stuff so make sure you follow me at genuine chit chat and all those usual places um and if you aren't already subscribed to 20th century geek go do that because it's amazing and his other podcast stories out of time and space is also amazing as he mentioned at the end here so you know lots of cool nerdy stuff to get into if you really enjoyed this chat there's plenty of times i've had like loads of other nerdy chats and things on just check out the back catalog or potentially go on youtube i put all the podcasts in playlists and things barely anyone listens on youtube and that is fine that's not the main medium that i expect my audience to listen on so if you go on there and see the views are minuscule <laughs> don't be too shocked because my numbers are fine it's just on youtube no one really listens but i have still organized them into playlists there's some that are a bit more nerdy chats there's some about science ones about movies there's ones a bit more serious it just kind of depends what you fancy or you can just reach out to me on social media and say hey i fancy this kind of podcast do you have a recommendation and i'll get back to you as soon as i can so coming up, I haven't got any episodes recorded. Um, I'm kind of doing it by week in a sense. I've got a podcast due for recording this week coming about a gentleman who is making a fan film of The Green Lantern. And I'm getting 
Steve from the Superheroes for Dummies podcast to come and co-host with me because he knows far more about Green Lantern than I do. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And then the few subsequent weeks after that, I've got a couple of collaborations with other people and things coming up, but I won't sort of speak about them until I kind of come to it. And really, for the time being, the only other things to mention, aside from me being on the recent Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, on the TV and Reviews podcast, on the Comics and Motions feed, and lots of the other sort of collaborations I've been doing, I've included them in the show notes, so you can go check them out as well. And also... I've got my other podcast, Star Wars Comics in Canon. That airs on the feed of Comics in Motion, and Comics in Motion now has a different podcast show on nearly every day of the week. Tony Farina, who's a regular collaborator and friend of mine, he's got Indie Comics Spotlight on there. There's Superheroes for Dummies, which has Dan, Steve, and Paul. And as I said, Steve from Superheroes for Dummies is coming on the show. There's What's the Topic. There's the TV and Movies show. There's a new show coming out soon, which I'm not going to talk too much about. Um, there's just lots of cool shows on there. Com- Comics on Trial is another one where I defended The Phantom Menace against Scott Weatherly, and the judge of that was Paul from Superheroes for Dummies, and then also me and Tony Farina are going to be recording a Star Wars Rise of Skywalker Comics on Trial, where I'm going to be prosecuting uh, the Rise of Skywalker, and Tony's going to be defending it, and the glorious Megan is going to be the judge of that. So, lots of cool things to look forward to as coming up as well. I have got a prolific Star Wars author hopefully coming on the show at the start of December. don't want to name drop, because I don't want to say that until the episode's kind of in the bag as it were but we have got it scheduled for recording so fingers crossed that will all go ahead and as i said my other show Star Wars comics in canon on the feed of comics in motion i talk about comic books that are related to star wars as in the canon from 2014 when disney took over and did the new canon i've done stuff about darth vader dr afra how kylo ren got his lightsaber darth maul i did one episode all about count dooku just kind of explaining his biology of what he essentially not biology biography of what he's basically been up to so it was like at the start who he trained why he kind of to the dark side all sorts of other things like that i tried to kind of summarize because there's lots of dooku centric content i've done the journals of old ben kenobi which is his time on tatooine i recently did one about yoda before the phantom menace because it's a cool storyline about him learning new force powers and whatnot which is good the galaxy's edge stuff which is relating to the theme park in america or the theme parks in america lots and lots of different connections and things as well as at the moment there is a weekly mandalorian show where we basically talk about the Mandalorian as a wrap-up and things. In the first two episodes, it was Chris and Dave talking about it. In the second episode, although they spoke about it, I recorded a little snippet to go in there just to kind of connect some of the dots they may not have connected because they haven't seen Clone Wars or Rebels and aren't into Star Wars like I am. Episode three, which should be out in the next couple days, that's going to be with Scott. For this, once again, it's going to be with Scott and then Chris is going to be doing it and I've recorded quite a chunky nugget of information about one of the specific characters that pops up in Mandalorian 2 and then also in episode four, of the mandalorian which will be out next friday um i'll be recording an episode with dave to talk about that as well so lots of star wars centric content on the comics and motion feed but also stuff about indie comics marvel dc discussion shows uh, all kinds of amazing shows that really culminate together to make in my opinion the perfect comic podcast because from what i can tell we cover all bases except one little field that we haven't yet covered which is going to be a new show coming out soon which that will get announced in due course 
But yeah, that's really it for me, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening to my shows. I do very much appreciate it, especially you guys on Twitter who have been blowing hot air up my arse if I'm being blunt about it, but in a really good way. You've been even conflating my ego in some ways, saying I'm doing a great job and you love listening, and I've heard a few new listeners who, due to some of the recent collaborations that I've been doing, have been first-time listeners to the show. I really appreciate any of you guys listening. If you want to keep sharing on social media, if you want to leave reviews on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere really that you listen to the show, that would be much appreciated but spreading by word of mouth spreading by talking to people and just checking the back catalogue seeing all the different people I've had on the show it all contributes and helps and it makes this passion project even more enjoyable so just want to say thank you as always guys I hope you're all staying safe and everything with this crazy time that we're going on regardless of where you are situated in the world and yeah just I wish you all the best and I'll talk to you next week